Nugent News Network on the air, the triple N, as we call it. There's CNN, and this is NNN, and I think, you know, maybe it should be ANN or PNN, Podcast News Network. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so today it's the Week magazine, folks. You know, the cover is uh, abortion. The editor's letter, it's abortion. Uh, let's see. Now, um, <clears throat> the editor says that... Let's see, where do we start here? The editor's obviously pro-life. Ba-ba-da-ba-da. He compares prohibition of alcohol to prohibition of abortion. This prohibition must stop women from having unwanted pregnancies, which means stopping them from having sex. And, of course, I spent most of my life trying to get them to have sex with uh, some success, but not certainly universal. Which means uh, this is indeed the goal of many evangelicals and Catholics in the Right to Life movement. And I know a lot of Catholics who are not in the Right to Life, pro-life movement, who believe that the only legitimate sexual expression is between a married heterosexual couple not using birth control. And I don't really think that that's accurate. Um, I think that to be pro-life is not necessarily to be anti-birth control. I mean, even the church used to approve the rhythm method, and of course the church endorses celibacy, which is the, not quite the old, it's the penultimate uh, birth control method, even for its own clergy, which has always struck me as the road to ruin, but also, you know, you don't have to have that kind of sex, at least. And as we know, of course, the church has unfortunately been plagued by homosexuality, which has been also linked to child abuse, which is, uh, it's like the the Catholic killer. My boss used to be a Catholic. That's what made her convert to Protestantism. She's at Fourth Pres, which is the fashionable church in town. Um, so I don't know that that is actually true. And then all else is sin. Now, there they may be onto something in the sense that that religion, Christianity, as well as all other religions that are successful, tend to encourage sex for procreation versus recreation. And there's something in the Bible, thou shalt not waste thy, thy seed. I think that's Old Testament. I don't think Jesus had much to say about it. Most most of the doctrine that concerns sexuality is in the Old Testament. But, you know, Islam, same thing. Uh, Islam's actually more reasonable when it comes to abortion. But uh, all these religions that survive encourage procreation. Be fruitful and multiply. That's multiply. That's the Abrahamic tradition. Uh, I'm not that familiar with Hindu and Buddhist and all the Eastern religions, but... You know, any religion that discourages reproduction, the ultimate example is the Shakers, where they forbade 
marriage. They enforced universal celibacy, so pretty soon there weren't any shakers left. So there's not much shaking, if you know what I mean. So there's got to be a whole lot of shaking going on for there to be a whole lot of people, and that's why the religions that encourage being fruitful and multiplying are the ones that dominate Islam, Christianity, and like I say, I don't really know where the Buddhists and Hindus are in it, but in any event, Judaism, same thing, right? Not that many Jews, but you know. they didn't encourage uh, in marriage. You know, they were pretty much encouraging you to breed within your tribe, and that inhibits your productivity, your reproductivity. Now, the National Review, pro-life campaigner Alexandra Descantis, 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 that's a good name for a pro-life person, helpfully explains that in in the view of the movement and that of the five Supreme Court justices who vote in favor of this, presumably, no women will be forced to give birth. That's because there is no fundamental right to have sex without consequences. We hear from the left about there's no right to speech without consequences, like getting canceled, so this is more or less a corollary throwing their own words back in their ears. Once a bad, parentheses, woman has sex, she has surrendered her choice. The past is the future, says Falk. Now, obviously, he's mocking the sanctus. But you, this is how it used to be in the pre-sexual revolution days, and particularly pre-birth control days. You know, a woman um, was expected, by and large, to uh, maintain her virginity until such time as she married, and then... The idea was you would have children. And if you look at pre-sexual revolution films, like particularly pre-war, people were delighted when they had a pregnancy and devastated when they were barren or when they lost a child. Now it's pretty much the opposite. You're devastated if you get pregnant. It's like a side effect, an unpleasant side effect of, of recreational sex. Now, as I've said before, I have no dog in this hunt, but I do think that these sides misunderstand each other. First of all, I think the pro-choice people, you know, I know many pro-choice people who are Catholics who have children. Uh, One in particular, a good friend of mine, you know, had an amniocentesis, child diagnosed, the fetus was diagnosed as having Downs, didn't even think about terminating the pregnancy. And the child lives on today and actually, you know, has had a better better life in some ways than me. I mean, went to the prom. I didn't, you know, couldn't find a date. So anyway, uh, so there's the, the liberal uh, political doctrine of choice, but then many of these pro-choice Catholics certainly would never have or encourage their own children to even have abortions. The same guy... Had a sort of uh, out of wedlock, as we call it, in the family, and never even thought about you know this you know avoiding that that birth. So um, you know, so practicing what 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 the real pro life or pro choice position is is hey, you know, I will defend to the death your right to do whatever you want, even though I think it's an immoral choice. According to my religion, I would never do it myself. So that's an interesting position. I don't know if I could maintain that, but 
It's kind of like, I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. So we live in a free country, so you have free choice. And abortion is a medical procedure. And, you know, I mean, it used to be that the, the position was rape, incest were carved out. Now these extreme pro-lifers don't even want to carve that out. It's like God's will. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, now on the pro life side i think that it is misunderstood i i think that the the pro choice people think that they're evil i don't think they are i think they're really of the opinion that abortion is a murder and that the uh it is god's will for us to procreate and be fruitful and multiply which if you believe in the bible certainly if you believe in it literally it is but even if you believe in it figuratively it is too that's the spirit of the religion no pun intended the holy spirit if you will but this issue is dominating and i think it has the same potential as the dred scott decision um, to split the country in two i really do Potential, I say. So much of the week is dominated by that issue. And I'll close out with some. Well, I might as well get to this now. What do I find outside my door? Last night, the night before, you know. I go out, and on my car is a green flyer. Overturn row? Hell no. Rise up for abortion rights. Stop the Supreme Court from taking away the right to abortion. There's a hashtag. And green, apparently, is the color of the pro-choice movement, which, of course, I don't know why they pick green. And they've got, like, a graphic with women with bullhorns and joyously marching. And, you know, there's no guys in the picture. Maybe there's one guy. It's a drawing. So May 8th to 14th, apparently, is a National Week of Action, which starts... Oh, actually, the week is over, is over today. <laughs> I missed the whole thing. But there's a big, big climactic capstone rally that happened supposedly at 1 p.m. today in Millennium Park. I, don't, I was at a meeting today, so I have no idea. Now, for some reason, there's a little blurb here that says the people of Colombia won the right to abortion on 2-21-22, this February, after relentless mass protests in the streets. So I guess the point is that if only there are relentless mass protests in the street, then all will be pro-choice. I don't think that's true. And then they have a Forced motherhood equals female enslavement. See, they're tying slavery uh, to forced motherhood, which gets to that. The Handmaid's Tale is the the cultural reference. Abortion on demand and without apology. And there's a Twitter account. There's a I don't know what this is. TikTok maybe and Instagram, Facebook account. So. You're on that side of the fence, you can follow that. Then there's a QR code, which I'm, as a marketing guy, I'm like, yeah, the QR code is definitely viable now that the iPhone camera includes QR code readers. And then there's a website, riseupforabortionrights.org, and it's not an F-O-R, it's a numeral four. 
Now, I'm watching The Natural, which is one of the best movies, you know, from a cinematography point of view. Just one of the best. And I believe it is a four-star film, if I know. It always reminds me of me of my old friend Tom Kelly. But why they pick green for this, I don't know. Somehow orange comes to mind. But um, So I'm going to roll through the rest of the week. Why the U.S. is so polarized uh, by Fareed Zakari in the Washington Post. So he says that one, we have two countries, and, and this is based on religion and versus secular. We have two countries, which is what John Edwards used to say, he of the $500 haircut. So he was clearly in one of those two, but not the one he was thought to be in. One is urban, according to Fareed. He had a plagiarism rap, but I guess he got by that. One is educated, urban, multicultural, secular, and socially liberal with values that would fit comfortably with Northern European Protestant countries like the UK and Sweden. I'll get to that later. The other is largely rural, religious, traditional, and less educated with values similar to those in Nigeria and Saudi Arabia. I don't know if that's the right comparison. But it is an interesting paradox that, you know, most Christian conservatives probably hate the Saudis. That raises a troubling question, according to Fareed. Can these two Americas find a way to live, work, cooperate with, and tolerate one another? And I don't know that they can. I mean, they did back in the day in the Confederacy for the first 13 uh, 75 years or so, but not, and then they have the, the war, and then they found a way to do it again, but I think we're getting to the next schism. There was something else I wanted to mention in that regard, but I cannot remember what it was. Okay, so now here, Noah Rothman and commentary, which I do think is, I don't know if that's conservative or liberal, I think, I get the my gut tells me it's liberal. The Biden administration has abandoned the women of Afghanistan, uh, forced, sacrificed millions of girls and women. I've been saying this ever since it happened, but nobody cares, you know. But God forbid we should infringe on rights pro choice here, you know. I'm sure they don't have any choice there. But so the MAGA thing about, you know, America first. There's a lot of that going around. Let's put it that way. Now, uh, how they see us American women lose a human right. Now, you talk about compatibility with the rest of the, uh, you know, developed world. Germany, UK, Spain, even Ireland, all pro-choice. All lamenting the loss of choice potentially in the United States, or at least some of the United States. Not all. Now, another noted item here uh, in the Financial Times, rate of maternal deaths, 23.8 for every 100,000 live births. For black women, 53.3. Naturally, of course, people of color are disadvantaged. Whereas if they have an abortion, it's 60 times smaller with 0.41. So in other words... Pregnancy and reproduction are bad for your health. So where does that lead you? 
shaker, right? Oh, that's a disease. I can't afford to get that disease that we call pregnancy. Maybe the answer to this is just like asexual reproduction, like in the movie, uh, oh, what's the name of it? It's about the future society where everybody gets off at 30. Logan's Run. I mean, they did, you know, extracorporeal reproduction. And abortion, again, can red state bans be enforced? Michelle Goldberg in the New York Times says, You think we hate each other now? We may soon see a replay of a time when southern states tried to compel northern states to return fugitive slaves. See the comparisons? I'm just reading this stuff, folks. I'm not making it up. On to a less troubling subject, perhaps. Forgiveness of student debt. Forgiving up to 10000 in student debt for people with an annual income cap of about $125,000 a year costs the Treasury $373 billion, not to mention it's inflationary. Uh, there's $1.7 trillion total out there owed by 40 million Americans. Says Rory Cooper of the Daily Beast, that isn't just bad policy, it's bad politics. So, but nonetheless, if there's a way to buy votes, they will do it. Wit and wisdom. Of course, Republicans, you could argue, buy, ta- buy votes with tax cuts, and Democrats buy votes with uh, tax increases and funneling it back to their constituents. So it's like a Robin Hood thing. In a way, socialism is like begging. Beggar thy neighbor. I was walking down Michigan Avenue and people are begging, and I'm thinking, you know, socialism is the same thing. Give me your money so I can have what I want, because I don't have it now. Under quotes, wit and wisdom, no one has ever doubted that truth and politics are on rather bad terms with each other. I would say that they're strange strangers or strange bedfellows. Hannah Aaron quoted in the Washington Post. A romantic relationship is sort of a delusion between two people, but it can be a persistent delusion like time itself. According to writer, I made up that last part, according to writer Sheila Hetty in the Paris Review, which I've never read. Actually, George Plimpton used to edit that. Otto von Bismarck said this. I've heard it a million times. I didn't know he said it. Politics is the art of the possible. Great quote. The errand of life is to be able to understand as many perspectives as you can. Jan Danielle. And as you can tell, I understand perspectives, a lot of them. And that honestly makes me less of a good advocate, you know, because I can always see the other side, generally. Not in this town. You know, here we are, all charged up about abortion, or we're charged up when somebody in Minneapolis gets, uh, unfortunately dies at the knee of a cop, which didn't happen here. But, you know, when we have like 800 murders here, there's no marching, right? There's no National Week of Action. What a joke. And now here's, here's like a he says, she says, okay? Here's what I would say. Like artist Nikki de Saint-Filet, or Fally, I don't know, in the L.A. Review of Books. Does one have to go through catastrophe to arrive at vision? 
I say, yes, I've done it. And then Oscar Wilde is quoted, and my wife would probably agree with this, let me be surrounded by luxury. I can do without the necessities. And that's how you go through catastrophe to arrive at vision. I think she's learned a few lessons. Um, Poll watch. 58% of Americans support a federal law that would make abortion legal across the U.S. 42% oppose. 33% want a law banning abortion in every state. So, 58 to 33, legal across versus illegal across. But yet, uh, there's a gap of nine points between opposing the federal law that would make it legal and the 33% who want to ban it. I think a lot of people would like to leave it up to the states, okay? I'm sure the 58% would, and I'm sure that that gap, the gap people, 9%, say 10%, probably 70% would like to leave it with the state. Which is where it was before Roe, folks. 50% of Americans say the federal government should cancel it. And that would say, by the way, that's where it will be after Roe. This doesn't make abortion illegal. It only leaves it to the states. 50% of Americans say the federal government should cancel at least $25,000 in student loan debt which is more than the 10000 that Biden is thinking about doing, which he wasn't too hot on, I guess. 21% think the government should forgive all student loan debt, while 23% say no debt should be forgiven. So most people, or half of people, think at least some should be forgiven. I say, you know, let's allow you to include it in bankruptcy. So if you're going to get your debt forgiven, you got to go chapter 7 or 11 or 13. Right now, that's not the case. But that that would limit it to a very small number of people who majored in, you know, African-American studies and who are white and who are baristas and trying to form a union. Some great cartoons. I won't try to describe cartoons because uh, that doesn't work. But I'll clip them out, and I'll put them out there someplace on my social media. None of you will see them because none of you are on social media, at least as far as I know. Now, this is big, 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 great news going password-free. You can soon forget your mother's maiden name, said <laughs> Boone Ashworth and Wired, like I ever would. It's Healy, by the way. Because passwords are about to become a thing of the past. Apple, Google, and Microsoft each said last week they are committed to building a passwordless sign-on method across all their platforms in the coming year. With the new systems, instead of asking you to enter a password, websites will push a notification to your phone that prompts you to verify your identity. Simply authenticate the same way you normally use to unlock your phone, either a PIN, fingerprint, or facial recognition, and you're in. In addition to convenience, proponents say passwordless login make life harder for hackers because remotely signing in will require access to a physical device, and that is the solution. And I am delighted. I was, when I first found myself an entrepreneur, I was going to dedicate myself to that. But then I figured out that it would take guys like Apple and Google, and I wasn't in a position to do that. That is the biggest, best news I've heard in a long time, and it gives me 
renewed will to live. Because passwords are the bane of my existence. Now, for those of you who want a sleep number, it's seven. Seven hours a night. Okay? Here's a potential investment opportunity. An experimental obesity drug has enabled the participants of a large trial to lose an average of 22.5% of their body weight, or about 52 pounds, reports the New York Times. The company behind the drug, Lilly, has not yet submitted data from the trial for peer review. But medical experts have expressed astonishment at the results. Some Lee Kaplan obesity expert at Mass Gen, which is like man's best hospital, Harvard. Think Harvard. Think New England Journal. The drug is terzepatide, or TED, appears to be significantly better than any other anti-obesity medication currently available in the U.S. Now, if that's a real Lilly drug, it might move the needle, but Lilly's big. If there's a little biotech involved with it, that would be a home run but it's probably already baked so we will be researching that for new gen ventures which is about to resume active operations by the way as we've mentioned before so those of you who are investors can hopefully look forward to prosperous future those of you who aren't could be no minimum We've waived our 10,000 minimum. So if you want to throw 100 bucks in, we'll take it. We're not going to get organized. We're not going to get Series 7 and all that stuff. This is kind of just a little club. And we're going to do it quietly, okay? We're not going to promote it online and print. We're just going to promote it on the podcast. And if you want in, no questions asked. Think of it as an investment club. Or we're going to have a product where you can do this yourself. And you have to pay $9.99 a month. And then we'll let you know what we're trading. All you have to do is go out on the Nugent Ventures LinkedIn page, and that's where we'll be posting it. And we're not going to password protect it because not that many people really look at that. You know? But you'll know it's out there. And I'll tell you, by the way, on the podcast, when you should go look. And if you want to do an options trade, or some of these are simple as going long the stock, you go do it. It's up to you. Just pay me my nine ninety nine, and that'll hopefully be enough to keep me doing the work. Okay. Uh, 53 tech-related companies went public last year, and all but three are now trading underwater below their IPO price. Uh, more than half have tumbled by at least 50%, including Coinbase, Robinhood, and Rivian. Rivian's probably the best of the breed there because I think they're actually producing vehicles. Uh, let's see, the price of Bitcoin. I the one I've done a lot of stupid things in the last few years, but at least one of them I avoided, which is getting into crypto. Price of Bitcoin fell below thirty grand for the first time since July, a drop of more than fifty percent over the past six months. This thing trades like a tech stock. It has no inflation hedging power. Now gold is down over the last few weeks, I think, two or days or whatever. So I don't understand that, but gold isn't trading like it used to. But does crypto stay away? One of these funds went bust. You know, it's terrible. 
The average, here's an inflation story, the average price of Tyson Foods products rose 17.6% in the quarter that ended April 2 compared with the year earlier. Beef was up 23.8%, chicken 14.4%, pork 10.8%. Why is that? I think Ukraine has much to do with it. Um, you know, there's more demand, I guess. Uh, the the progressives would have you believe that it's consolidation in the industry, but there was consolidation in the industry before the inflation started. So how can that be? There's no, you can't, you don't have to be troubled by any kind of logic if you're a progressive. And that, I envy them that. It's just like how you feel. And, you know, there, there are like self-evident truths, which is every corporation is, is evil, you know. Boeing is leaving Chicago and moving to Arlington, Virginia, and the Washington Post story spins it as uh, they want to be close to the Department of Defense of the Pentagon because it was half of their sales last year. They're increasingly reliant on government contracts and a better position to navigate the political landscape, which is impacting on their ability to get their planes back up, like the 737 MAX, which has a tendency, they want to get them back up, but they have a tendency to fall down. So that's not good. Now, another little Nugent Ventures-related uh, story. Cerebral, company named Cerebral, investigated over ADHD prescriptions. The high-profile mental health startup Cerebral, which I don't think is publicly traded, actually, may have violated the Controlled Substances Act. According to Bloomberg, Cerebro received a grand jury subpoena from federal prosecutors last week in connection with prescriptions for drugs that treat ADHD, such as Adderall and Ritalin. One of the several telehealth startups that began prescribing controlled substances online during the pandemic Former Cerebral executive alleged that the company's goal was to prescribe stimulants to 100% of its ADHD patients, which, I don't know, I mean, it's indicated, kind of. But, um, you know, they're in trouble. And this gets to telehealth. Is telehealth going to survive the pandemic? Or are they going to tighten up on the regs again? I don't know. Now... Um, there's a 1,500-square-foot boutique store that now sells this Metaverse stuff for Meta, which is Facebook, rebranded. So I don't know about that. I haven't dulled. I, I did wear a virtual reality thing that was, like, used to design a Boeing cabin. I think it was for the Dreamliner. It didn't actually simulate the crash, but it was like being on the damn plane. So I haven't gotten into that. I don't know if I will, but it's out there. Now, here's a scam on Bitcoin. Texas woman is suing two digital currency exchanges. She claims abetted an 8 million pig butchering fraud, says Bloomberg. Pig butchering is a growing type of scam, and it's like a Ponzi scheme. Emotionally manipulated victims' accounts are fattened before being drained, like pigs get slaughtered, right? And there's a woman here who was targeted by a man she met on Tinder, which is a bad place to go meet uh, other opposite-sex people. I know a woman who got the hell beat out of her by some goofball she met out there. And uh, not good. Her father had died. Got mur- He got murdered. 
And so she tried to be a financial hero, sent millions of dollars to a fake digital currency brokerage called Digital Fund. Profits, quote-unquote, kept coming back to her in cash for months that kept her from suspecting the scheme. So they just give you some of your own money back and then ask for more. It's a Ponzi scheme, right? Now, here's the story. One tiny firm shuts down an industry. Uh, it's a complaint about Chinese uh, importers not getting charged tariffs. And now nobody was willing to make the complaint. And then this little $10 million company did. And now the whole solar industry is shut down. So, again, you know, uh, that's a Trump thing. So we can beat up on Trump for that. But, you know, be careful what you legislate. Okay. You can kill the goose that laid the golden egg. So, we're keeping some stuff here, and we'll try to get those cartoons out there, like I said. If you want me to send you a picture, text me and, and say, Terry, send me the cartoons. And I will send you the cartoons, and that way I'll know you listened to the show, which is over. So live long, prosper, wear your mask, and we'll talk to you again probably tomorrow when the trip shows up. Bye-bye. Yeah. Turn it off.